Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled Making Headway in Treating Resectable Cutaneous Squamous Cell Carcinoma, Setting Sights on Neoadjuvant Immunotherapy. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported by an independent medical education grant from Regeneron Pharmaceuticals, Incorporated. Hello, my name is Vishal Patel. I'm an Associate Professor of Dermatology and of Medicine Oncology at the George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Sciences. I am also the Director of Cutaneous Oncology at the GW Cancer Center. Today, let's discuss how we should optimize care for patients with resectable advanced cutaneous squamous cell carcinoma. Now, we've had some exciting data around the use of new adjuvant immunotherapy for advanced cutaneous squamous cell carcinoma. This data is exceptionally exciting because of the robust response that we see in these advanced tumors that otherwise would be difficult to resect. Most recently, simiplumab has been evaluated in a phase two trial showing positive results for the use of new adjuvant immunotherapy prior to surgical resection. In this study, 51% of patients treated with new adjuvant simiplumab therapy had a pathologic complete response. Another 13% had major pathologic response or less than 10% viable cells. The survival data now at a one-year follow-up of those patients that were treated with new adjuvant immunotherapy and followed by surgical resection is equally as robust. And even those that had a partial pathologic response had a high survival rate. These results have been corroborated with other studies as well. There are ongoing trials with pembrolizumab in the new adjuvant setting. And recently, the Matisse study was reported earlier this year looking at new adjuvant nivolumab with or without ipilimumab in a locally advanced cutaneous squamous cell carcinoma. And the data from this phase two study showed that treatment with new adjuvant nivolumab is robust in a number of locally advanced patients. And the addition of ipilimumab can enhance that response within those that would otherwise not be major or complete responders. The recurrence-free survival has also mimics what we see within the simiplumab data in that we are seeing robust survival rates within those complete and major pathologic responders. Clearly, neoadjuvant immunotherapy is providing a paradigm shift of how we think about treating these locally advanced resectable tumors. And in the next session, we will review the safety profiles of these PD-1-directed neoadjuvant immunotherapy treatments for these tumors to help us determine how to best balance the treatment approach with the safety profile. Now that we've seen that new adjuvant immunotherapy can improve response and disease control, let's discuss the safety profile of these options. The most common side effects of immunotherapy impact the GI system, the skin, the liver, the endocrine system, or the lungs. However, it can impact any potential organ system, and even after the cessation of treatment itself. It's important to be aware of any potential immune-related adverse events that may occur. These adverse events are a class-specific phenomenon. Within the new adjuvant simiplumab study, the safety signal is similar to what we have seen within the metastatic and unresectable earlier studies. Patients generally tolerated the medication well, but there were still a number of serious grade three side effects. And most notably, 
four of the adverse events that were fatal included heart failure, MIs, and one case of pneumonia. Now, these cardiovascular events are not new. However, with larger studies, we'll be able to more accurately identify if this is an important signal. The Matisse study looking at nivolumab with or without ipilimumab is a small study, and the toxicity profile is well tolerated as we see across this class of medications. What's interesting is that nivolumab had a slightly higher adverse event profile of serious grade 3 and 4 reactions compared to the combination of nivolumab and ipilimumab. However, historically, we know that the combination of the two medications has a notable increase in side effect profiles as well as severity. This will be important for us to further elucidate with larger studies so that we are better able to identify those patients, whether the patients can tolerate the combination approach or whether it is safer to only treat with a monotherapy approach. Within this approach of neoadjuvant immunotherapy, the adverse events were not typically the reason for patients not to undergo surgery. Those patients who had declined or did not have surgical resection also were included in the analysis as non-responders. While that is the appropriate intent-to-treat analysis way to look at these, some of these patients did so well that they refused surgery outright. In fact, most patients have tolerated the medication well and underwent their planned surgical resection as per the original plan. This surgical resection is important for us to determine the response to therapy, but also it's critical for us to realize that patients are able to tolerate this pre-surgical resection treatment in order for them to get to the point of being able to have surgery. Safety is an important component of therapeutic decision-making, especially because it is important that we get our patients to surgery. And in the next session, we will discuss how to select the appropriate patients for this approach of neoadjuvant immunotherapy. The NCCN guidelines recommend neoadjuvant immunotherapy, specifically semiplomab, for patients with borderline resectable disease. Let's discuss which patients are candidates for this approach. There is no current clear definition of what borderline resectability means. Is this determined by the clinical profile of the tumor, where it's located, how large the tumor is, and the previous treatment history for that patient? Or are they tumor-specific risk factors? What is the differentiation of the tumor? How invasive is the tumor? Whether there's perineural invasion or poor differentiation? What also muddles the water is the fact that the two reported studies on neoadjuvant immunotherapy have evaluated this in slightly different populations. The semiplomab study looked at patients between stage 2 and 4 cutaneous squamous cell carcinomas. Patients with stage 2 disease had to have tumors at least 3 centimeters in size. On the other hand, nivolumab included patients from stage 1 to stage 4. However, the earlier stage tumors, 1 and 2, could only be treated with neoadjuvant therapy if the tumors were extensive or if mutilating surgery was necessary. The take-home point is that patients may be resectable regardless of the size and location of their tumor. However, determining whether surgery is truly urgent may be a better way to decide whether a patient may be a candidate for neoadjuvant immunotherapy. Those patients who might be able to wait for surgery potentially for four to six weeks, may be appropriate to be considered for this approach. Patients may not be good candidates for immunoadjuvant immunotherapy if they have highly symptomatic disease that is potentially rapidly progressing. 
And surgery upfront may be faster acting and provide more immediate relief and also minimize the risk of losing the resectability window. There are also other patient populations that are not candidates for this approach. Those include solid organ transplant patients, stem cell transplant patients, patients with autoimmune disease, or potentially untreated or unstable hematologic malignancies. These patients have not traditionally been evaluated in the pivotal and ongoing clinical trials and are not currently candidates where we would consider this neoadjuvant approach. In our next session, we will discuss how we may use neoadjuvant immunotherapies in clinical practice once we have identified the appropriate patient. Let's now discuss how these neoadjuvant immunotherapies are given based on the available clinical data. Now, the dosing schedules for neoadjuvant immunotherapy are different between the two studies we have discussed. In the map study, medication was given every three weeks up to four doses. After two doses, the patients were reassessed with radiologic evaluation and determined if they needed to be shunted towards surgery or could continue to receive the complete four doses. In the nivolumab ipilimumab study, patients received medication every two weeks for two doses with surgery occurring at week four. The dosing schedules are not what is critical for being able to determine if somebody's having a response is. Within the map study, we received some interesting results about the lack of concordance between pathologic response and radiologic response. Most notably, the partial responders by radiologic response were underscored or undervaluated by radiologic evaluation. Over 80% of those denoted as partial responders by radiologic assessment were in fact complete responders or major pathologic responders. This similar discordance has been also seen within the Matisse study, and as a result, radiologic evaluation may not be the appropriate or ideal assessment metric to determine if a patient is a responder or not we may need to utilize a more holistic view of how the patient is doing from a clinical and dermatologic exam, along with lack of findings of any progression on radiologic scans. So the question really comes up as to how we determine when to do surgery, but hopefully future studies will be able to show us how we can best determine if a patient may not need further treatment with either immunotherapy or surgery at all. But for now, what's important is that the approach of neoadjuvant immunotherapy requires two critical pieces for patients to receive the predetermined dose of neoadjuvant immunotherapy, and then subsequently to have surgery to be able to help us identify what that true response is, whether it's a complete response or major pathologic response, so we can determine if a patient requires further adjuvant treatment we know that patient preferences are an important component to the decision-making process. It is not just the dosing protocol and the response to therapy. And in our next session, we will discuss how we engage the patient so they are active participants in developing their treatment plan. Let's now talk about how I get patients engaged in the decision-making process when I'm considering whether to institute a new adjuvant immunotherapy approach. Now, European consensus-based interdisciplinary guidelines, lead author Alex Stratagos says that patients should be engaged in informed, shared decision-making on management and be provided with the best supportive care to improve symptom management and quality of life. This is critical for providing our patients a shared decision-making process in determining the optimal treatment approach for advanced cutaneous squamous cell carcinoma care. Now, there are concerns with the use of new adjuvant therapy, as well as concerns with upfront surgical therapy. We need to balance the side effects 
as well as the morbidity of both approaches to determine what's best for the patient. Some concerns about the use of neoadjuvant immunotherapy may include the potential loss of disease control, losing the surgical window, and option for curative surgical resection. On the other hand, surgery may be exceedingly morbid or may require such things as exoneration of the globe, resulting in vision loss, and neoadjuvant immunotherapy may be a much more amenable and safer approach for some of our older patients. Treating with neoadjuvant immunotherapy can have a significant increase in the quality of life and also can de-escalate the surgical approach and potentially make surgery easier to tolerate or even smaller where larger procedures such as removal of the eye or free flap can be avoided. What's critical from the data that we see with neoadjuvant immunotherapy is that we now have the ability to personalize the approach where we can consider systemic therapy, various surgical approaches, and whether or not adjuvant therapy, such as radiation or even ongoing systemic therapy is required to help determine what is the best balanced approach for the patient that's in front of us. In conclusion, neoadjuvant immunotherapy is changing the paradigm for the treatment of resectable cutaneous squamous cell carcinoma. Upfront treatment with immunotherapy allows our immune system to be exposed to a higher volume of antigens and thus create a more robust immune response that has a lasting survival impact. I anticipate that the upcoming next few years will focus significant amount of our work and attention on elucidating and identifying which patients are best for this approach or for those where this may not make sense. Thank you for listening. Please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.